At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, it is a weeping Wednesday edition of the Hollinger and Duncan podcast last night, which we will talk about. We will talk about something that was awesome. We saw the absolute best of the NBA with Kevin Durant, and now with injuries and COVID absences and coaching changes and GM changes, we are seeing a different side of the NBA. But I think we probably need to start here with the news in L.A. that Kawhi Leonard, uh, your colleague Chom Sharani are reporting it at The Athletic, has suffered a quote-unquote ACL injury, at least is the fear right now, that doesn't necessarily mean a torn ACL completely. It could be a sprain. It could be partially torn. But, uh, I mean, obviously we can talk about what this means for the rest of the series. If he has any kind of an ACL injury, it's hard to imagine that he's going to return in these playoffs, no matter what the severity is. Exactly. Yeah, I think that is safe to say. And I think that is where the war of attrition from the Dallas series really caught up to the Clippers, that playing Kawhi 40-plus, 40-plus every other night for two weeks on end, you know, then minute 35 of game four against the uh, Jazz, basically the 10th, game in a row in like 21 days that that you're doing this and it just gave out on him yeah now it was an acute play like he did get pushed by joe ingles to where you know seemed pretty innocuous but he did get pushed by joe ingles was obviously trying to go into him to draw a foul as well but did get pushed by him put a little extra load on that it looked relatively innocuous i mean i could you didn't see just like that crazy bend of the knee that you'll see sometimes on acls but you know, sometimes you don't necessarily see that ACL can be tricky. I think there's got to be some hope that it's not fully torn right now because he thought he was fine after the game. The trainers, yeah. anytime there's a knee issue, the trainers will do a test. I think it's called a Lockman test where basically they just try to pull, you bend your knee and they try to pull your shin forward. And that's what the ACL is designed to prevent. So mm-hmm. they can tell usually if there's like, you know, it's just totally torn and it's not there anymore. And yeah. presumably they did that and he said he was going to be fine after the game I mean, he even stayed in the game and like then they took him out but it seemed like it was you could buy at that point that it was in fact precautionary um so i mean it seems like without him even if mike conley can't return another ridiculous injury situation by the way yes that uh that the clippers have got to be done in this series you would think i mean maybe they can come out with a way to you know, because Mitchell has his own problems too. You know, what I mean, but absent another injury, which you never want to assume these in these yeah. playoffs, uh, it seems like they're probably going to be in trouble in this series. Having to, they have to win once on the road, and Utah. I mean, if you take away, you know, if you take away one of the all stars from each side, I think it's advantage Utah because they have more quality second and third options that they can get to. And, you know, they were using Kawhi as the main defender on Mitchell. I guess that falls on Paul George now. Uh, or yeah, I mean, that, use... that's, I think they'll, maybe, I think they may just start Beverly. That start Beverly, do, start bad. bringing double teams and whatnot. Um, yeah. Beverly's hurts, been good on Mitchell in this series, I think. Hurts their ability to play small, too. I mean, they were using Kawhi as the big, basically, a lot of times. So it's, you're asking Marcus Morris. To be your five, and now Paul George is your four, basically, on defense. 
Batum, maybe. Um, so it makes you really small, um, which not only hurts you on the glass against Gobert, but also just your rim protection against these drives from Mitchell. So it just hurts them in a lot of areas. Yeah, playing small is going to be a lot less viable with the guy who is basically your four-man and probably your best help defender. Although Batum has been awesome, too, in the in this series. Um, <clears throat> that That's obviously going to hurt them. I think it's they're going to be felt even more on offense, though, because they're probably going to have to play a big more often. And yeah. then they also, I mean, who else do they have to run pick and roll? Like, are they going to dust off Rondo now, who, by the way, pretty interesting that he was inactive in their <laughs> <Yes>. last game? <laughs> Uh, I I do wonder if we're going to see more Luke Kennard just to get enough offense out there. But that can compromise him defensively, too. I mean, if you're playing playing Luke Kennard and Reggie Jackson at the same time, between size mismatches and botched switches, you're you're going to have a hard time. And then, I mean, also, Kawhi Leonard was, was a top-two player in these playoffs. You know, he was playing yeah. like... 2019 Kawhi again and do probably think even better defensively than he was in 2019 and and you just you can't come back from that I mean there's maybe there's some way they could luck into a win tonight with everyone kind of shell-shocked or whatever but it just even if they win tonight it seems like you know and Conley could still come back at some point Mitchell seems to be managing this injury well enough although again you could see him tweaking it again at any time um yeah, and actually, Mike Conley just speaking to the media right now, saying uh, that he had a small setback, and the progress he's making now is really good, but it's just a little delayed. But I, I don't think they need him to win this series. Uh, yeah, and I think they'll probably be more conservative with him in light of that, and re- really want to hopefully save him for the Western Conference Finals, and maybe not even Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals, but we'll see. Um Especially yeah. if it starts on, like, if they win in six, the Western Conference Finals will start on Sunday, but then there'll be multiple days off in the middle. So they might kind of target that sweet spot and have them ready for game three. Yeah, I mean, it might go like Sunday, Tuesday. Sunday, and Tuesday, and then Saturday. they have three days off or whatever and not play till the weekend. Yeah. yeah. So, and obviously, you know, there's been a suggestion that Mike is like taking his time coming back. I mean, that's obviously preposterous, I'm sure, based on your experience with him. Oh, it is killing him to not play. I mean, this this guy came back so early from, everyone remembers the game with the face face mask in Golden State, obviously, where we didn't, we didn't expect him back at all. And then it's yeah. like, oh, he's playing today. Um, and then the one everyone forgets about is when he had the uh, the broken bone in his back. Uh, the trans- transverse process. He came back way early from that one, too. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he's definitely going to be out there as soon as he possibly can. But, you know, ham- hamstrings are, are fickle, and you-, you usually get punished rushing them. Yeah, th- th- that seems to be the case. Um, Kawhi now, I mean, perhaps the focus should turn now to the Clippers offseason. My thought, I mean, again, we don't know. I'm really hoping, obviously, this is like a Jay Crowder sprained ACL situation. Jay was actually sprained his ACL when he got elbowed in the face by J.R. Smith in Game 4 in 2015 and did avoid surgery, came back. Could also maybe be a partial tear Spencer Dinwiddie type of situation. And Dinwiddie, there is reporting that he could come back as early as the finals, you know, kind of more of a six-month type of timeline. Yeah. Uh, But... But either way, you know, so maybe there's a, some possibility. We still don't know the exact severity that he could be. If he avoid, if he has the surgery, you know, again, I guess it, it really, you know, depends what kind of muscle atrophy he has, the partial tear, the full tear. You know, that's all really difficult to say. But I think this means that he's going to for sure be back in L.A. now. Would you agree with that? Yeah, but I still think he opts out of the deal. But, yeah. Oh, I, sure. I think, no, I think and, he'll and, be back. He'll sign either a one plus one or a four-year deal. The one plus one is kind of interesting. Because then he could sign for five a year from now. Yeah, but also, you know, you, at that point, you may just want the security uh, coming off an ACL injury of four yeah. years at the thirty-five percent max. Yep. And and particularly given the way, and I'm sure it would probably be a three plus one. And given the way that extensions work now, too, where two years from now he could extend again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not as big. It's he doesn't have to get all the way. All he has to do basically is just be playing really well two years from now. Like he doesn't have to worry about oh four years from now they're not going to want to pay me. 
yeah. two years from now, if he's still good, you know, a top 10 player, he'll have the leverage to force them to give him another three years uh, on top of that. So, yeah, I, I, my guess would be he'll be, he'll get the four years or a three plus one and, and come back. But it just, you know, the, the only narrative that would have had him leaving would have been, okay, they just like get completely destroyed in the first two rounds and like he's playing really well, but everyone else is playing terrible, but they'd gotten back into it. I think they would have been favored in the series if this hadn't happened. Um, yeah. so yeah, I, I think, it, but I mean, obviously just a massive bummer again mm-hmm. for these playoffs. Yeah. I mean, this is and, now five of the top 10 players in the NBA who suffered injuries and assume we'll get to the Chris Paul situation, obviously, but this will be, assuming Paul misses a game, this will be nine all-stars who have missed games in these playoffs. Yeah, it's terrible. And, uh, you know, and you still have situations like Joel Embiid's too. Yeah, well, yeah, and it, having, having missed the game, but he he did not look good, I thought, at all in game four. We'll yeah. see what happens tonight. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. With that... It's such a shame for the Clippers, though, this injury, because they had completely overturned the apple cart of Utah's offense, right? They they had turned the most ping, 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 put you in a blender offense in the league into a your turn, my turn, ISO summer league team. Like, it was unbelievable to see. And obviously, Conley being out was a big part of that, too. But that small lineup uh, with the switchability had really just taken Utah completely out of what it does. That first quarter that they played in Game 4 was one of the best defensive quarters that I've seen in Absolutely. a long time. Yeah, yeah. Like, Utah just had nothing. Yeah, they were flying around. They couldn't get any penetration. If they did, they'd kick out. The guy would be there right when he caught the ball. It was it was really, really impressive. And so, yeah, I mean, just star-crossed Clippers again. And they're probably not going to make it to a conference finals again now. And right. they traded so much i mean like these last two years were the their best chances yeah and their window right yeah 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 so i mean like i think it's possible maybe paul george could go nuclear and they win one more game in the series i wouldn't rule that out but i mean they have some really tall odds at this point yeah yep and an interesting off season uh i think i think there's a realization there probably that they need to get a third guy that having just Kawhi and George isn't quite enough. So I'm interested to see what they do about that this offseason because they don't have a lot to trade with anymore. That's an understatement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so finally out here in California, we are at a full reopening, and that means I can actually go and play basketball again. It's going to been quite some time, and I can't imagine trying to do that without my Theragun. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension. It uses a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. I've tried some of the knockoff versions of the Theragun. They just aren't as good. They don't get as deep. Just the formulation of the tips. They have six different tips, by the way, that they send you to get into various muscle groups on your body. Theragun's signature percussive therapy goes 60% deeper than vibration alone, and and it's just been fantastic for me, both with lifting weights, getting rid of all those adhesions in my 41-year-old body. I highly recommend it. And now, until Father's Day, purchase any Theragun Pro and receive a free Wave Solo. That's a $79 value with powerful vibration and pressure for targeted areas like your feet and hip flexors. Free. Stress less with Theragun's 30-day money-back guarantee as well. You don't have to take my word for it. You can try it out and send it back if it's not good for you, but you're going to love it. Go to Theragun therabody.com slash per don't forget that slash per because john invented it and lets them know that you came from us that's therabody.com slash per so i've told you before about the many awesome master classes but with my wife getting really into cooking lately we've actually been watching gordon ramsay's class together he's way nighter so i've told you before about all the great master classes that i've loved to watch including steph curry shooting and ball handling serena williams on tennis they now have hundreds of video lessons available anytime anywhere ios android desktop apple tv fire tv roku we just cast it from my phone generally we've actually been watching gordon ramsay's 
cooking classes lately i actually tried one of the recipes he had for scrambled eggs with sea urchin it was unbelievable my wife's getting really into cooking gordon's much nicer on this actually than he is in on kitchen nightmares really enthusiastic I also learned that I was definitely cutting my vegetables wrong and now I've actually learned how to do it safely without the risk of potentially injuring myself. So that, that's always useful. Those the type of stuff you can learn on these master classes from great masters. Just watching Gordon Ramsay cook even is just addicting. He's just so good at it and does everything so easily. It's really, really impressive. So whatever you're interested in, there's a master class for you now. Each class is broken into these individual video lessons, usually about 10 minutes long. The quality of these lessons is really just fantastic, just from a cinematic standpoint. Each class has downloadable materials, lessons, recipes, and more. Get unlimited access to every masterclass and 15% off an annual membership. That's at masterclass.com slash PR. Easy to remember slash PR because John invented it. That's masterclass.com slash PR for 15% off masterclass. Don't forget that slash PR. Let them know that you came from us. So I, I do want to talk though some about before we get into all this other crazy news today, just about that game by Kevin Durant last night and i i mean to me you know it it was so funny that he had that tweet about it was a spiritual experience watching damian lillard which was one of the other four games with a game score you invented game score right yes i did yeah yeah back in the day above 50 Mm -hmm. um and then kd obviously had another one last night and that was it was certainly a spiritual experience watching that and particularly the playing of all all 48 minutes uh but just what were some of your thoughts uh, as you were watching that and the bucks reaction to it uh, as well uh just uh wanted to get your impressions i mean you could feel it was it was such a visceral experience because you could just feel the momentum of that game turning in the third quarter as kd just started cooking uh and jeff green to a lesser extent and Everything the Bucks tried, I mean, the Bucks did try a couple different things and none of them worked. Um, could they have doubled the ball more aggressively, perhaps? Could they have changed the matchup? Um, you know, not, I mean, P.J. Tucker up until that point had done a pretty decent job on him. Uh, but could they have switched the matchup and put Holiday on him to get more ball pressure, maybe? You know, possibly. Uh, but I mean, the biggest thing was that KD was just, he was just on one, man. I mean, you look, I mean, he's hitting pull-ups from very deep areas. Like those are, those are like not great shots in the, in the aggregate when it's not Kevin Durant shooting them and he was just making them. Uh, and where I thought Milwaukee really hurt themselves the most was that offensively, they just weren't taking advantage of what should have been a pretty ripe for opportunity uh, defensive lineup out there for the Nets. You know, when you have Harden who can barely move, you got Shamit out there, you don't have a real five, and they're scratching their heads like, how do we score on these guys? Yeah, no, I, I think going going after Shamit is probably something they maybe should have done a little bit more mm-hmm. than they did, uh, I thought. But yeah, and also just the Bucks individual players just they are so in their own heads offensively they alternate between being weirdly passive and then all right i guess i'm supposed to shoot this and i'm gonna airball it and i'm gonna go for a fadeaway in the post and or no i'm gonna just jack this this three with 19 on the shot clock if you're Giannis, i I, it just there and there's just seems to be like some bad juju there with this group and maybe changing up the coach uh uh, you know, you gave us a nice scouting report on Twitter on, on some of the the nice areas in Milwaukee where a new coach might <laughs> might might uh, be, be looking to buy a home. But yeah, it's just it, it does seem like something has to change because they just it, it seems like it gets worse and worse uh, for them uh, with this group. You know, last year against Miami, that they just kind of can't get out of their own way sometimes. It's weird because on paper they they still had so many advantages, but they. They, they almost seem to, like, the two plays that stand out to me were Holiday getting the switch and then going after KD off the dribble instead of going to his his teammate who had, I, was it KD, was it Giannis or Middleton had a had a small guy on him who was at a total disadvantage. And Holiday yeah. just goes and tries to take KD off the dribble. Yeah. Middleton and, tried to take him off the dribble. He hit one off the side of the backboard. It's just, yeah. Like, yeah. And then obviously Giannis post up on Harden where he went for the fadeaway. 
Well, and Harden waving everyone away saying, like, don't help, I <laughs> don't got Don't even it. bother, I got this. <laughs> yeah, and, and also, like, the Giannis free throw stuff, obviously, too. I mean, but you just... Like, like Giannis has had dominating playoff series against good defenses before, but it seems like ever since Toronto in, and, you know, even before Bud was there, in fact, like he had unstoppable playoff series. And ever since Toronto in 2019, it seems like he just has not been able to be the same type of force. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, uh, well, I mean, the Bucks could still easily win this series. I mean, I, I have a feeling that they're just going to blow out the Nets in game six. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, they're just going to overwhelm them physically and run and uh you know they'll have the crowd behind them but yeah you know, game seven might be a different animal i assume Kyrie's not going to play in this series i think he's he is going to be out for a long time would be I, my guess. I would agree with that and uh we we got to see what they can even get out of harden too i mean he was probably a net negative in uh in game five yeah that's that's really interesting and that's something else i wanted to talk to you about here is just you know, Katie is playing 48 minutes. Kyrie was playing, you know, 46 minutes until that injury, which it's tough to blame minutes for that. I mean, and, and you know, you brought it up with Kawhi too, but it's just like, you never know with these acute things. I think you can blame the minutes more when it's like a muscle injury, perhaps, than mm-hmm. you can when it's just an acute thing. But you might say, hey, you know what? He might have been moving a little bit faster, so he wouldn't have gotten bumped as much, or maybe his quad would have reacted faster so the knee wouldn't have gotten flexed in that way or something like you know you just it's impossible to know it's just sort of all right the risk kind of adds up a little bit and maybe it adds adds more to it but it seems pretty clear i mean remember when the nets were like this big load management team and the medical staff had all this power and they're like making sure that they all got the got their vitamins doing the their work at the yeah. uh training yeah. center yeah that's all that doesn't window. seem to be the case anymore yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but and, i mean I they mean, don't win that game without 48 minutes from yeah. kevin durant that's part of the i mean when you're in win now mode this is one of the trade-offs you have to make though is and it's it's really hard on the team side is that you're knowingly basically increasing injury risk and most of the time, the player wants to do this. The player wants to play more minutes. The player isn't like, no, I can reduce my load by 1% if you only play me 33 minutes. Um, but at the, at the same time, I mean, you're, you're trying to look out years ahead with your team and everything. But in the right now, in, the, in a playoff series, you need your best players to play as many minutes as they possibly can. And asking them to do that seven times in 13 nights in some of these series is a pretty massive ask with the intensity of these games and what's asked of these guys, like on the defensive end too, it's not just offense. Uh, I think where you got to give Nash credit is him pulling the plug in game four, I think allowed him to do this in game five. Yeah, they were down 15 with about five minutes to go. And that, I mean, you know, your win expectancy in that situation is 1%. Like, that was definitely yeah. the right move, particularly with Kyrie out. I mean, they weren't playing that well. So I, I agree with you there. And another thing I think needs to be highlighted, too, is Kevin Durant. I haven't heard that many people talking about this, but, like, when KD showed up for this year, I was like, man, he looks, like, ripped right now. Like you didn't – he was sort of, like – he'd put on a little bit of weight in Golden State. You know, he wasn't – he didn't have just, like, that same kind of a def- definition. I would guess he probably lost 20 – 20 or 30 pounds uh, or 20 or 25 pounds maybe before this comeback and I was like oh that's a good sign for his Achilles just to take that load off and he obviously is in just unbelievable shape right now to be able to do this and maybe also due to the fact that he missed two months with his hamstring is a little bit fresher than some of these other guys at this point yeah that's true yeah they um it's interesting because that's a negative in one in one sense because it's actually hard. Like you, you basically asked him to go from zero to sixty when the playoffs started very quickly, uh, and that that increases injury risk too uh, more than people realize from what the from what experts in that area told me anyway when I was on the team side. So uh, there there's some yin and yang with that too. But yeah, I mean he right now he looks like he's in better shape than a lot of these guys have been playing all season certainly. 
Well, John, given that he played maybe the best playoff game of the last 15 years, pretty much right up there, and also perhaps because he might be the only player left playing still in the playoffs by the time you listen to this, Kevin Durant is the only choice for the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. KD, you could see it at the end of the game, couldn't have been enjoying himself more. He's talked about how it's really just trying to see how good he can get as a player. And I think he found out last night, and with only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, Michelob Ultra also creates enjoyment in people's lives. Joy creates success, and enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. And I certainly enjoyed Kevin Durant's performance, maybe more than any other one in a long time. Of course, you know, John and I frequently use Locker Room. I also use it with my partner on Dunked On, Danny LaRue, as well. And it's just a great way to interact with your favorite hosts. Great way for us to interact. We love it because we get a chance to actually talk to you, go back and forth, kind of kick stuff around like we're having a conversation at a sports bar or something. And it makes for great radio, even if you don't want to jump in with a speaker request just listening to it live it could be really fun we react to stuff in real time when there's news as well so be sure to join this locker room every week live to eastern 11 pacific as john and i record our podcast and we'll take questions obviously at the end for about 20 minutes or you can join me and danny six eastern three pacific on tuesdays john and i go on wednesdays go download that free locker room app currently available on all ios devices they also have a beta on android and you can of course set up notifications for when we go live all right let's let's get into what's the next topic i guess we got to talk chris paul here huh yeah and it seems like this one's pretty basic you know he's in the he's in the covid protocols uh the word is that he was vaccinated which should allow him to get out of these protocols relatively quickly uh maybe he ends up missing a game uh Obviously, if the Clippers in Utah went seven, that would be very helpful because it would, it would buy him two more days. Uh, and other than that, I mean, he, I think I would certainly expect him to play by, say, game three, based on everything I know. But we just have to see if he's going to be there for the beginning of that series. And that's sort of another – it's – it's ironic because this is Chris Paul's history, right? That some little thing always comes to trip him up when he seems so close to being able to perhaps win a championship. Yeah. Well, fortunately, in the first round, something else tripped up somebody else even worse than yeah. than, than him. And something else tripped up the Nuggets even worse during the, the regular season with Murray's injury. And so the way this is supposed to work, it sounds like, uh, is if he's vaccinated, then... All it takes is once he has two negative tests, he can come back. Before, it, was, it wasn't just two negative tests. You just had to wait 10 or 14 days regardless if you weren't vaccinated back in the, in the bad old days. Mm-hmm. And so that's, so that's a little bit different of a situation. However, if he becomes symptomatic, then that changes and he does have to go through the old 10 to 14 days uh because I, I think there's a concern about you know potential heart damage and like that kind of stuff but if he's yeah. totally asymptomatic he can come back it, it seems like and so maybe that'll that will happen relatively quickly and, and so i'm sure people you know are like man this is a, a breakthrough case we already had one with damian lee too you know i'm sure that there are many breakthrough cases that are happening all over the country but because the vaccine, you know, the vaccine isn't only just about not having you get the infection to begin with. It's about having a re- way lower viral load, not getting symptoms, et cetera. And so those cases probably, yeah. you know, it, it, the fact is they're still being tested every day, right? You would have many, many yeah. more technically breakthrough cases in the country if everyone were getting tested every day. But it's just many of these because of the vaccine, you're just not really getting any symptoms to where you would go get a test. And so part of this i think is just an artifact like they're being tested every day not necessarily you know your conclusion shouldn't be oh the vaccines aren't working because they had this breakthrough case and in fact he's probably you know hopefully going to have very limited or no symptoms and so that's a you know the vaccine is also about making sure you don't have severe symptoms or go to the hospital or die so that's exactly uh, yeah yeah this isn't necessarily evidence that the vaccine isn't working for people who might come to to that conclusion in fact Um, in a population of 500 players with what 95 even if you had 95 percent efficacy of the vaccine you're you're gonna you're gonna get a certain number of these yeah absolutely i mean the the big 
part of the vaccine is that it does kind of make this closer to, you know, more of the normal respiratory viruses that, that we've dealt with. But because it is COVID, there's obviously a little bit more of a, a concern still here, obviously. But yeah, I mean, the Sun team without CP3, I would probably have them as, you know, I think CP3 is definitely more important to Phoenix than Conley is to Utah, I would say. And with Utah having home court, even if Conley doesn't come back, I still think that's advantage Utah in uh, the first game or two if Paul is not back. Yeah, if you, if you if you scratch out Conley and CP, yeah, and then yeah. if they it's where it gets interesting is if they both come back. I mean, Phoenix won all three meetings, but when when you go back and look at those meetings head to head, I mean, the first couple had maybe some fluky shooting numbers, and then the last one. Uh, Mitchell was out, I want to say, uh, and maybe one other guy. Uh, so, you know, extenuating circumstances in all, in all three. I think it would be a really good series, though. No, absolutely. I mean, if both teams were at full health, I think I might pick Phoenix just because I think at the end of games, their ability to work in the mid-range is just better than what the Jazz have. But I think both teams are would struggle to stop the other uh, in this in that series because both teams are going to play conventional pick and roll defense maybe the suns could switch a little bit they might see what it looks like late in the clock with Aiton getting out on the floor against mitchell or conley i don't you know Aiton's okay as a switch guy i'm not sure yeah. i don't know for sure how that would go my suspicion is it wouldn't work that well but they, they might try it but yeah I, I guess there'll be another time to, to analyze that series once we have a better idea of who's in that series and, who, who's, and actually who's actually playing, playing in it yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that's all the news that happened today. Yeah. All right. You want to, you want to end the show now? <laughs> so, okay. uh, yeah, we got some coaching moves. Oh man. Where do you want to start here? Uh, I think we got to start with the Pelicans. I think that's a big one. Surprised at all or no? No, I had heard. I I'm surprised by the timing because I had thought there was a lot of scuttlebutt that this would happen. But usually it happens relatively quickly after the season ends. And the Pelican season ended, what, a month ago? So this took a while to, to work its way through the system. Uh, but there, there, was, there was a lot of chatter out of New Orleans with Zion being unhappy there and the Griffin-Van Gundy relationship kind of going sideways very quickly. Uh, the hard part for New Orleans is they're paying him three more years at a pretty good rate. And, you know, they're not they're not raking in the dough down there. So I think the replacement is probably going to be a first time head coach. Yeah, it feels that way. And, and some of the candidates that are being bandied about early on here are of that ilk. You know, it doesn't seem like there's a, a big name. They went for the big name former head coach last time. It didn't really work out. Uh, I mean, it's interesting. I thought Stan is kind of similar to Lloyd Pierce in Atlanta, where Stan got the most out of Zion. Like, he made him into Point Zion. They went to that, and yeah. Zion had an unbelievable season, but obviously they couldn't stop anybody. They had a bunch of injuries. They had no shooting by the end. You know, I thought it was pretty impressive that Zion was able to have the season that he had. Certainly, if I were going to point to a reason why the Pelicans failed, I would point the figure at David Griffin for last season, much more so than Stan Van Gundy. I think Stan tried as many things as he could. Uh, didn't really work out now you know shitting on his players in the media like he likes to do doesn't help too much either but obviously if there was unhappiness with him there and there was pressure uh, it, it seems like they're yeah this, this might be the last gasp of david griffin we'll see but this this to me also maybe augurs that they're gonna try to make some big personnel changes this offseason as well Seems like it. I mean, they actually have the chips to do stuff because they got those draft picks from trading AD and, and Holiday. So they can do some things if they want to. And I think they have to get a front court fit that works is the main thing. They, I think they foolishly went in on, on Steven Adams, uh, gave up an asset to do it, and extended him uh, at a number that's probably not great. Uh, and then they got Bledsoe in that trade uh, instead of George Hill uh, when, they, when they did the holiday deal, and I thought that was a mistake. And so now, now they, they have some contracts that they don't really want. They're pretty close to the tax line, especially if they bring back uh, Lonzo and or Josh Hart. And they're both good players. I mean, they should try to bring those guys back. It would be terrible if 
you're going to lose one of those guys because you have Eric Bledsoe at 18 million and Steven Adams at 17. I mean, when you're trying to build around a young core with Zion and Ingram, Hart and Ball should be the guys you want to keep, right? Yeah, one would think so. Uh, although you just you do kind of wonder if like, okay, if we're going to pay 35 million dollars to Lonzo and Josh Hart combined, you know, where are you kind of going with that? But uh, it does seem like there's pressure to be better immediately here and maybe the another question as well danny always says this too like if you're at the point where a coach is being fired don't you need to evaluate the gm at that same point well yeah and you do that's why you know a gm generally only gets to play this card once right he basically bought himself some time by sticking with gentry in the beginning and then he he went in, he brought in his guy, and his guy is out after one year. So he has to get this higher right. I don't think there's any question about that. And also, but, you know, there's just kind of a concern of like, man, there is a big moral hazard coming here now, maybe for the Pels of just, you know, to cash in a bunch of assets. I mean, there's no way, no matter what they do, I mean, they, you know, okay, fine. You, maybe you can move up to like being in the mix for the sixth seed. Next year, if everything goes well, and maybe you know some, some of the other teams experience some attrition, but you know you're not going to. They can't get into championship contention. And as good as Zion is, whether he's unhappy or not, you know you still do have team control over him for at least you would think the next six years. After right. This, although that, that's we can the talk thing. about that aspect too. But yeah, I mean, I think there's some fear that this can turn into a Perzingis situation. But the difference with Zion, I think, is that because of his. Uh, knee situation, I would think signing that extension for him would be paramount, uh, which he can do after next season. Uh, and, so, and so getting that done is much more important, I think, if, you're, if you put yourself in his shoes, than trying to you know, bluff your way out of there by saying you're only going to do the qualifying offer. I, I think if they put a max extension in front of him, he has to sign it. Then maybe later you try to work your way out of there if you're still unhappy. But I, I think I think they have to look at it that they would surely have Ingram with Zion for the next three years, and then you know then you get into Ingram's walk year and maybe things get funny then. But so evaluate things from that from that window. You mentioned that you, you hear that he's unhappy there, and you know I certainly come to that conclusion as well. We've had, had some, plenty of discussions about that. That clearly seems to be the case, and certainly this move, which. I would imagine David Griffin. I mean, maybe he wanted to do it because, as you mentioned, like tensions had uh, happened pretty much immediately there. But you know, nonetheless, it can't be great for his relationship with ownership to have to do this. So obviously, I think a big part of this is, is trying to mollify Zion to some degree. But do you have an understanding of what it is that has made Zion not happy there so far? You hear, you hear different. Does things. that come up at all? You, you hear different things, and I, I. I, I, I struggle to put my finger on which which thing is kind of the thing and which is sort of you know secondary or whatever. Um, but frustration with the with the uh, medical side, I think has been has been one part of it, and then not having any shooting around him, I think has been the other part of it. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, well, I certainly you know the medical side. They, they got him in pretty good shape for this that year. Obje objectively, you you would you would think that the the medical side has done their part, right? You you would you would think that. Well, I mean, is that frustration from like all the minutes limit stuff? Possibly, from his yeah. Year, maybe. Possibly. Yeah, but uh, I mean, obviously, he got through this year and looked great. So uh, that's uh, cross your fingers on anybody in the NBA with their health these days. But it's. Uh, yeah, that's going to be fascinating who the, their hire is going to be uh, and what kind of moves they're going to try to make at this point. If you're the hiring expert for your company, would you really need his help making your short list of quality candidates? You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Get your quality short list of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. You only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications, and you can schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard with tools like Indeed Instant Match, which gives you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately, and Indeed Skills tests on average hiring time is reduced by 27 percent 
they've got more than 130 skills tests and then you can add your must-have requirements as well so you only pay for applications that meet them and indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined according to talent nest get started right now with a free 75 dollars sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash locked get a 75 dollars credit at indeed.com slash locked indeed.com slash locked offer valid through june 30th terms and conditions apply well you may have heard kind of tough to get a new car these days there's a chip shortage so maybe you're more interested in holding on to your used car and repairing it yourself and if that's what you're into the place to get auto parts is rockauto.com why would you choose to spend 30 percent 50 percent or 100 percent more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers whereas rockauto.com's prices are the same for everyone and are reliably low also you don't have to go to that sorry chain store counter where you find out that they don't have your part in stock and they have to order it for you anyway you don't have to be a member you don't have to log into an account rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts for hundreds of manufacturers see all the parts available for your car and truck and make sure you're right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com but we of course have another coaching change that is going to occur after your colleague Fred Katz reported that there was momentum for Scott Brooks to return, it is now reported that they, I don't know, does this count as mutually having decided to uh, part ways? I think, so his contract expired. So yeah. I reading between the lines, what probably happened is that they made him like a lame offer to come back for, you know, maybe just a, a very short contract or something. Uh, and he was like, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, that seems like a very Warren Legary type of stance. It, Warren does not like these short-term contracts. And, you know, he was a coaching free agent at this point in time. The other complicating factor is there's probably some anchoring from Brooks's side because of the fact that he was on a $7 million a year contract. And I don't know about you, I probably wouldn't be too interested in making the coach that Hollinger and Duncan both ranked in their bottom five uh, one of the highest paid coaches in the, the right. NBA. Again, it was a different market back in 2016. But it's also tough to ask someone to take a pay cut in that situation. And, but obviously they weren't that enthusiastic about having him back or they would have just, you know, if they really thought he was that good, they would have paid him appropriately. Yeah. So it, it's, it, it, it kind of just. It's like, it's like, in, why, why did you bother? Like why? Why did you bother right. just making right. making it? Because what you're saying, what you're saying with that offer is we don't, we don't really like you that much, but but whatever, you're good enough for now, right? Like like what yeah. what are you doing? Like what's what's a long term vision here? Well, and also I think uh, Scott. Now I don't know if he's going to be a wash in uh, offers elsewhere. Although I can constantly be surprised on these things, e.g., Jason Kidd. Uh, mm-hmm. supposedly being being in the mix for these jobs however i think that this would, would be an indicator like if i'm scott brooks with the uncertainty around bradley beal and his contract ex- situation that they're going to try to extend this off season that's uh you know i would want some security beyond you know a one-year deal with a team option for a second year which i understand why the wizards would do that because if they're going to be kind of starting over they don't want to pay scott brooks a bunch of money yeah but, uh, you know, with Bradley Beal kind of uncertain, same thing as in Portland where maybe Lillard's future is uncertain. You want to get that security on a long-term deal in case, like, things just totally go south and yeah. Beal leaves and you're in a rebuilding mode. Yeah. You, you know, you mentioned Brooks uh, possibly being in, in play for other jobs. I do think the one thing that will really help him, uh, just, I mean, having done this from the front office side, like, he's – He's easy to work with. Like I, I, he's like he's just a nice, good guy. Like and that, like that gets you a lot of mileage. It does. Like it's, it's you know, which is which is a good thing, probably right. It's how how the world works. But um, I, I I do think that will that will help him in in some of these scenarios. Um, we'll we'll just have we'll just have to see. I th- I think uh, like you you wonder maybe uh, you wonder maybe if Orlando would look at him. You know, it would be yeah, almost similar a, to, the, to the situation he came into originally in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Yeah. And surely they'll draft uh, three 
Hall of Famers and a 15-year rotation guy with their next four draft picks there as well. Um, yeah, so, and then, again, also, perhaps there is a, maybe some of these coaching openings and the fact that there are all of them, maybe less so in, in New Orleans, but are impacted by the fact that other coaching openings happen first, and then there are other guys that you could bring in who are respected, who have head coaching experience. Certainly, that it seemed seems, to be that seemed to be the case yeah. with Indiana, where they were waiting to see who came available, and then it was like, "Oh, Terry Stotts has been fired. Okay, <laughs> let's go." Yeah, Indiana is that, that that's going to be interesting to see who ends up there. They're gonna, they're going to have some some options, but yeah, I think it, you know the type of it seems like Washington would be in the market for another already was a head coach type with a you know. A team that, in theory, is ready to win, and you know Beal, who knows what his situation is of whether he he's always been saying he wants to stay there, but then he's like, now nah, I'm going to evaluate my future and extension. So you know there does seem to be maybe a little bit more of a prove it aspect than there's been previously. Uh, but yeah, I mean I don't see them going like first time head coach necessarily. I I don't either. If I mean if if they did, it would be it would be like a name first time head coach. You know what I mean? It would be like a Chauncey Billups type thing. Right, yeah, so someone with some cachet, former player, that type of who, yeah. in theory, is going to relate better to Bradley Beal and make him want to stay, and yeah. and can get through to Russell Westbrook. Good luck on that. So here's a question for you: How would you rank the current coaching openings? We've got New Orleans, Portland, Orlando, Washington, Boston. Indiana, if you're an NBA head coach, which of those openings are you most interested in? Milwaukee. Oh, wait. Can I say that yet? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, some great neighborhoods in that town, let me tell you. Uh, (laughs) um, I would say, you know, if, if Milwaukee does not come open, I would think Boston, you're going to a situation where you have Tatum and Brown in their primes. That that one to me seems pretty juicy, but actually, you know, it's weird because these coaching openings, most of them are not with shitty teams, which is usually, you know, coach usually coach openings happen uh, when you're coming off an awful year, right? And this is not yeah. the case. So uh, Portland's opening would scare me uh, because yeah. there there's too much potential for it to go sideways in another year. Um, and so I would say there's high, high Silas potential there, uh, as I think we talked about last week. Um, yes. Yeah. We'll, we'll be using that term. Uh, Washington has that too. I think Washington, Washington has some real Silas potential too. Uh, there's at least a few young players there who could maybe be something, but yeah, if certainly if Beal leaves, I mean, that's, that's a full, that's a full reset there. So that, that gets scary. So I, I would say Washington's probably near the bottom. I mean, in some ways, I would rather have the Orlando job than the Washington job because Orlando, you know what it is you're getting into. And they've already started down the road a little bit. You know, you, you have Isaac there. You have Fultz. You have some other guys that are young that have been drafted already. Uh, whereas Washington would be potentially starting almost all the way over uh, next year. Yeah, Orlando may get a lot more attractive on June 22nd as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I would say New Orleans is probably in the middle of that pack. Uh, You have two good young players. Uh, The surrounding infrastructure, I think, is a little shaky. And and so you question that a little bit. And you you wonder physically if Zion's going to be able to, you know, how long Zion is going to be able to play 70-plus games, 2,000-plus minutes or whatever. Uh, but that team should have been better the last two years than it was. So it's yeah, it's but, not. Uh, also, do you do you really want to coach for five hundred thousand dollars a year? <laughs> <laughs> uh, on a on a two minus one Pay, payable in two thousand twenty six. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is Nate Bjorkren available? <laughs> right. Right. The um, speaking of which, so I actually think that Indiana job's a pretty decent job. Like yeah. that's a good, pretty good team. They have like six players in their prime. Their cap situation's pretty good. You get TJ Warren back. Like that, that a good coach in that situation can make that team look really good. Maybe get to the second round. I think that's a good situation. Uh, but I, I still think Boston is the best one. Though. I mean, Boston's 
Boston's the one of those where you look at it and say, if everything goes right, I could be contending for a title in two years. Yeah, and to have the good organization, even, you know, you don't know what Brad Stevens is going to be as an executive, but, you know, he at least seems like someone who's going to be, like, calm and not overreact and understands the pressures of the coaching profession and that that kind of stuff as well and they've got those two young building blocks and you know maybe there's a question a little bit about ownership willing to spend if they're not going to be a total contender but yeah, yeah I, I think that's with those two guys new orleans it, there there's a lot of drama i mean new orleans portland washington with you know this immediate pressure coming in is not great indiana on the other hand there has been some talk that they might consider a rebuild, but I think they want to give it another go. We'll see if the Sabonis Turner thing gets worked out. Like that's always just like a tough schematic yeah. thing to deal with as a coach. But I think you picking up as a coach of a team that was just like totally injured and has pretty good talent. Like that's a great way to just get some positive attention, get some momentum for your tenure right away. Yeah, I, I, I mean, from from what I've heard too. I mean, it. Indiana's owner is not a spring chicken and I think would would like to see the team win in whatever time he has left <laughs> from what I understand so uh I, I think I think a rebuild would be a hard sell there actually yeah it seems like it. just but that there was any reporting on that at all uh, I think Jay Michael had that it was interesting he says they're probably not going to go in that direction but that they even were considering it that's something that we haven't seen from them in the past I, I, I basically basically yeah, ever Right. I mean, they basically yep. have always been pretty good and haven't had to do full on rebuilds. And actually, Donnie Walsh reset them from one finals team to their next contender without going down, which was a really impressive feat. Well, and it, I mean, I think I want to say that their only year in the lottery was the Paul George year until this year. And like, a you know, basically since like uh I think they missed the playoffs in 97, the last Larry Braun year, and mm-hmm. then Bird came in. I think since 98, I want to say they've only missed the playoffs once. Uh, you pretty, might, be, pretty you might be right about that, yeah. yeah. Uh, or at least, it, it, whether they missed the playoffs or not, the, uh, George, I think, was their only lottery pick in like a 20-year period. So, yeah, it was pretty impressive that they didn't have to rebuild, and they've had so many iterations of that group. I, this is a little bl- bl- bit of a tangent, but you know, getting back to the Zion thing, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but... Why do you think it is that guy, big stars who are on rookie contracts, or even now at this point, guys who get drafted, why have we not seen like a Steve Francis situation since 1999 where the guy's just like, no, I'm just not going to play there? Or, you know, actually like legitimately request a trade for someone in Zion's situation. You know, yes, they, in theory, he's under contract for a while and then they have restricted rights and stuff and like the math doesn't work but why not just say hey no i want to get traded now and i want to sign my extension with another team and i'm just gonna be miserable to be around until you make that happen it's just because young guys don't have that level of agency like why do you think that is and and i'm missing something about why that would work any worse than it works for any of these other guys i think it's just hard to develop that kind of leverage when you haven't proven yourself as a player I mean, we know that the failure rate, even on top five picks, is high enough that you're you're not just going to be like, okay, I'll 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 give you the keys to the kingdom right now. Um, when you know you're looking three, four years out, are you even going to want this guy? <laughs> right? I mean, you you just you just don't. There's a reason. I mean, it's not the same reason, but lottery pick has two connotations, right? Because there's the lottery of where you end up in the draft, but you're still playing the lottery, right? Even even then, and even with even at number one, you're playing the lottery a lot of times. And so, I, I just don't think they have the quite the leverage because of that. I and mean, we've seen teams kind of later in the lottery try to manipulate things, or, or not teams, but players later in the lottery try to manipulate things. You know, like Halliburton, for example, kind of wanted yeah. to go to Sacramento for whatever yeah. reason, and like you know, we're not going to work out for you or share your medical records but we haven't really seen that for guys who are in contention to be the number one pick i mean maybe there's a concern of like yeah go ahead there's cachet with being the number one pick and there's money too yeah i mean there's a big salary difference just between being one and two so i i think there there's some logic in that too yeah maybe that's part of it but you can also just say hey we want you to trade because the team they're going to trade the pick if it's someone like zion right like they're not going to just 
oh, now we're just going to take John Morant instead. You know, like, like they, they will trade the pick. I think if if they're, I, I mean, I, are they going to really call someone's bluff? I don't know. Like, and the idea of leverage, we haven't seen anybody try it to know whether it's it worked. I mean, Francis is the, da- Danny like, Ferry Francis. didn't want to didn't want to play for the Clippers, um, who were. Yeah. I mean, they were a shit show on a level that we just do not have in the NBA today. So th- I think that was a little different scenario. And Ferry's sure. dad was an executive in the NBA, so knew exactly what kind of a shit show his son would be getting into. Um, so so that situation was a little different. Uh, and then we had Steve Francis. But, yeah, we haven't had anything like that since then. But it works in the NFL, too, right? Like Eli Manning did that. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else. Uh, I think it works if you're there. a quarterback. John Elway did it. He didn't want to play for the Colts. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, John Elway. Um, I mean, maybe it's just like, oh, he's going to get bad PR. He's going to come off as entitled. Like, we don't want to, like, mess up his endorsement opportunities or something like that. Like, maybe that's what it is. But then, okay, so that's a, at the beginning. How? Co- what about someone in Zion's situation where he's already established himself as being awesome? And, you know, I think if you just kind of make it clear, like, hey, you know what? Like, this organization is just doing a bad job right now. You know, I think, I mean, at least I would be sympathetic to that. I don't know, but yeah. obviously people in New Orleans aren't going to be, but that well, doesn't we, really move the we, needle. We saw it with Porzingis, and the way he called their bluff was by saying, I'm just going to sign the qualifying offer, and then I'm going to leave. And even yeah. if it leaves money on the table. But I think but, the threat... But that's not a credible threat, though. I don't, I don't think it's a credible threat, especially when you are operating with the physical issues of, of Zion, where... I mean, given his knee history and everything, like I would want to lock in that money as soon as I possibly could. And so Porzingis, I think, had a little more leverage to like say, okay, I'm going to leave money on the table in year five so I can get what I want in year six, seven, eight, nine. Pretty much knowing that he'd still get max money in year six, seven, eight, nine. I think Zion, you you weigh that injury risk a little differently. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he's Porzingis did tear his ACL and still, I mean, I guess he probably knew at that point that he had max money uh, out there. I, I think even if Zion misses a year, he would have max money out there as well. It's just a, an interesting question. And maybe it's just that, like, I, I think it's just young players. They, they don't get, you don't have this feeling like, hey, I tried for seven years. I did everything I could and it didn't work out. And now I need to get out of here. Um, but it's, I, I I should talk to some more agents about that of why why that never happens. But it, I think it's it, it's interesting. I mean, it would probably be bad for the league ultimately if it did happen. But from just it, as a player who wanted to be somewhere else earlier in your career, I think they would have the leverage to make it happen if you really wanted to just you know make life miserable for everyone in the franchise. And maybe just young guys don't have the uh, the will to do that, I guess, or the confidence to do that. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot to go in that goes into it. Um, I also think in once you get to like year six or seven in the place, probably you have sort of a lot more built up grievances, right? Where where you're probably yeah. more willing to play hardball than maybe you are in yeah. year two, where it's like, hey, it's my first NBA team, you know, these guys are all my friends. Like, it's it's just a different vibe. Yeah, well, and this is honestly, even these reports of Zion potentially being unhappy, this is the earliest that I can remember any kind of these reports with a star of this magnitude, like this early in the career. Yeah, I, I, th- this is, this is the first one that I can remember. Um, you know, I've, sometimes you'll get mutterings from like agents that are like, oh, my guy doesn't like it there, but like, you know, he's, it's because the guy is playing eight minutes a game and has a PER of four, you know, it's like, okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh but more generally uh yeah i would say Perzingis is really the only similar situation we've seen in the last decade all right we got about five minutes left here who's your favorite right now to be the nba champion oh man good luck <laughs> <laughs> by the way just just for posterity if you're listening to this we are recording this at 1205 pacific time right. so if you want to just Go back in time and see who happened to be healthy and who wasn't at this exact minute. <laughs> the trophy's coming to the ATL, baby. Um, I mean, you gotta like your position if you're Phoenix. But you know what's really funny? At the end of all this, Milwaukee might still end up winning this, right? 
Like we we spent the last twenty four hours crapping on them, but like Brooklyn's still got to win another game over them with a skeleton crew. If Milwaukee gets to the next round, now they're playing Embiid with a wounded knee. They get to the finals, now they're playing Utah or Phoenix, who doesn't really have that like physical guy to put on Giannis, maybe. So, I mean, Milwaukee could still end up winning this. I said at the start that Milwaukee-Brooklyn winner will be our eventual champion. So let, let me ride, ride that pick out for at least a little while here. So I, I'm going to stick with that. Yeah. I, I mean, Philly, the Embiid thing is, is not looking amazing. I mean, if Embiid were healthy against, like, these kind of diminished versions of the Bucks and the Nets, you know, I, th- I would give Philly a fighting chance in that series. Utah and Phoenix, I just wonder they're, the fact that they're just kind of playing a conventional defense, just how, how well is that going to go? But up against the Bucks, I mean, I think that, I don't think the Bucks have really, you know, a system advantage on Utah and Phoenix necessarily. So, yeah, it, like if the Nets can get out of this series, I think I probably would still pick them. I mean, the, but they're going to need a better James Harden than this, right? Like, I mean, I think yeah. they're, if they get the same James Harden they got in game five, you know, I'm, the Bucks to me are kind of sixty percent to win each game in that series. I go, you know, yeah. again, never trust the Bucks, but <laughs> yeah. But even in the next series, right? If they're playing against Philadelphia, I mean, diminished Embiid still has an advantage against Brooklyn's front court. You could put Simmons on Durant probably, uh, and then you know, if James Harden is Isaiah Whitehead again, then where's where's Brooklyn's advantage? A uh, couple other news things. LaMelo Ball is Rookie of the Year, and LeBron James has tweeted about how them not listening to him about the start of the season has led to all of these injuries. And the, a, a and, retweet thread on it. And the Dallas Mavericks uh, changed their general manager. Uh, have we not even talked about that yet? No, we have not. <laughs> oh, fuck. All right. Well, I guess we're going to have to. We're going to have to go a little bit longer here. <laughs> how did we not get to that? Thank you. I thought we'd. That was, I wrote out everything, obviously, uh, and. So, yeah, I probably shouldn't have gone on that uh, why don't guys try to get out of the markets tangent. Um, okay, go ahead. Give me what you got on the Mavs here. Yeah, there, so there's been an increasing crescendo of stuff coming out of Dallas. Obviously, there was the report in The Athletic earlier this week by my colleagues Tim Cato and uh, Sam Amick that, uh, that there was discord between the Mavs front office and Bob Volgaris, uh, who's re- who was more recently hired by Mark Cuban to be sort of his basketball consigliere uh, and the coaching staff with Rick Carlisle and Luka Doncic. And that there was just kind of bad juju all around between sort of all these different groups. Um, and so the news today that uh, Nelson is out. He's been there forever. He actually still owns Dallas's G League team, from what I understand. So that's going to be a little awkward. Uh, so that that's big news. I mean, Mark Cuban has had a Nelson running his team the entire time he's owned the team, which has been like a quarter century now. So they're going to have somebody new in there. That's that's going to be really interesting. Yeah, because I don't see Bob just like being the GM. You know, he's been working remotely. You know, kind of more of a his, consultant. His, his contract yeah. is apparently expiring too, from what I understand. So I, you know, I think it's a question: is he going to be involved going forward? I think that's one of the biggest questions. Yeah, and then if he is involved, do you? How attractive is that opening? Now, of course, people always say, "Well, Cuban just is going to be the guy making the final decisions there anyway, so it doesn't matter." So maybe they just promote from within. Tony Ranzoni obviously left there as well in the wake of sexual misconduct allegations, or or was forced out, probably more, more accurately. Who do they still have in their front office that's that's left at this point? I'm tr- I'm trying to think. I mean, you know, Jim Kelly's been a scout there forever. Um, but they had a pretty nobody slim, who's like they had a pretty you would slim think of, front office to yeah. begin with. So yeah, yeah, there's there's nobody who's like primed to move up that I know of. Uh, Keith Smith's right. been there a long time. Is that his name? Keith Grant. Um, he's he's been there forever too. Uh, but, yeah. Well, I, I mean, if you and I don't know who it is, <laughs> there's a know, good, could, yeah. <laughs> now. I mean, it could be a John Horst type of thing where just someone comes out yeah. of nowhere to, to do it, but. I mean, if Bob's still going to be involved, though, how interested are you if you're an outside candidate to come in? Um, now, could that be a possible Maasai landing point? That would be wild. Um, 
<laughs> that, that, and that's that, actually that's an a, opening. That's a crazy one. That that would be an attractive opening, right? Because you have Luca, you have the chance to build around him. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the things with Masai going there is he's going to demand that it be his show. So is yeah. is Cuban going to be willing to hand it over to him? Yeah. No. I and now there's. It seems like it's trending towards Masai just being back in Toronto, but that. Oh, there also aren't any other worthwhile openings at this point in time where Dallas, at least in the terms of the quality opening, might be in there. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't. Cuban and Masai don't seem like the greatest personality fit. I would me. agree with that. Yeah. So yeah, that that'll be fascinating. And yeah, I mean, Donnie Nelson has been there forever. Who knows what's happening? I mean, what did you make of the whole Luca doesn't like Bob Vulgaris part of the report? Um, I mean. I'm not sure what to make of that because I'm not I'm not sure how directly involved he was in like like was he at practice and shoot around every day like a, you know what I mean like how much was he around for Luca to not like him right so that, that that's a question that immediately came up with me having been on the on the front office side like especially somebody like that who's um, who's kind of more the the owner's guy and not embedded with the coaching staff or whatever. Is, I don't know, maybe maybe he was there every day, but like, was he really kind of like, you know, a presence at practice and shoot around and in the weight room and in the team lounge and stuff where like, you know, you, you have to be around enough for somebody to, to not like you to the point that it becomes a news story generally. Right. And man, I, I, it's, it's hard for me to imagine he was, he was like around the team as a frontline presence that much that it would, that would create that much animosity. Yeah, and there was one anecdote of how Luca like told him to fuck off when he said, "Hey, calm down a little bit." You know, that's which that you probably shouldn't be communicating with the players like that in the course of a game if you're in the the position that Bob was ostensibly. In. I, I think that's that's fair to say, but yeah, I mean that could have just been one time that Luca was kind of annoyed with him. He might be not like him because he thinks he's. Uh, contributing like shitty personnel moves or like you know the analytics uh getting in with rick carlisle's rotations i mean maybe it could be more related to that but ultimately i don't put much stock in that i think as long as they win games and they're really good then luca's gonna be happy there if they're not really good then he's not gonna be happy there like that i don't think it you know whether bob volgaris told him to calm down one time and he was annoyed by it i don't think that really matters i would agree with that all right well I would agree that it's time to wrap things up here. Thanks so much for joining us here on Hollinger Duncan, and we will talk to y'all next week. Till then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.